0: This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: I just think that we always talk about one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. And we, quite frankly, don't view the quarterback position any differently in terms of our expectations, man. If we're playing with a backup quarterback... Um, How we win might be different in terms of how we engineer it, but the expectation remains the same. Um, It's a mindset, and I know it's a mindset that Harbs and that group has over there. And so we just don't spend a lot of time formally talking about what quarterback's playing and its impact. We just assume that they're going to come to play just like we would come to play regardless of who we had at quarterback, as you mentioned. Um, That's football. That's football at the highest level. Indeed. And, of course, the fact is he's talking about What's going to happen with uh, without Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson has missed uh, practices, uh, you know, thus far. Uh, we'll have to see. You know, uh, Tyler Huntley obviously is the guy that you think could well be the man in the saddle when the when the uh, Ravens come to town here. And Tyler Huntley, they're not going to change their, their offense for anything that uh, that Tyler Huntley is doing. He's still fully capable of running the speed option. He can make the throws, all those sorts of things. We saw that last year. And by the way, yes, I'm going to say it again. Uh-oh. He still he still owes he still owes our man T.J. Watt a sack. You know that I'm sorry that was just Wait, now, so does he, wrong. Does he
2: owe it or does the NFL owe it?
1: Well, okay,
2: maybe both. Yeah, how about both? Yeah, okay, how about, about that?
1: Well, well, we'll go with that. <laughs> no doubt about it, West. Um, the fact of the matter is, you know, Tyler Huntley is is a skilled guy. I'm sure that Tyler Huntley is what he was seventeen to twenty eight and engineered a. Uh, for a buck eighty-seven last week against yeah, able to, uh, to
2: able to get the win there in
1: Denver yeah in Denver engineered what, maybe, a what maybe I think it era? was I
2: think it was at home in Baltimore but against the Broncos okay yeah.
1: against the Bronx but the fact is you know you you come out in the fourth quarter and you are able to with five minutes left take over an offense. And muster them to a game-winning drive. It says something about you. It says that yep. you are a capable quarterback. That you are ready to go. And there's no doubt in my mind that if Tyler Huntley comes, there's still going to be a dangerous offense. That offense can still. Um, they've got the mixed crew of, at running back there. Mm-hmm. You've got Gus Edwards, and you've got um, uh, Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill. All three guys get touches during the game. And one of my favorite, I got to say, one of the guys that I like to watch. Is Patrick Ricard, their fullback. Yeah, I mean, come on. There's a 300-pound fullback who they use when they've got him
2: and Gus Edwards out there both. Uh, it's like it's like throwback football,
1: baby. It is. It really is. I mean, this is a guy that played nose tackle. Some. I mean, you know, you you got Patrick Ricard who comes out and they will use him in some unusual blocking schemes. I've seen where, in in, in the normally a normal blocking scheme might be you got a nose tackle. Say you got your center and you got one of the guards, and you have a like a, a scoop block where the center's going to block to the play side shoulder of the uh, nose tackle, and then the, the guard will come along and take over the block as the center works up to the second level. Well, they'll use Ricard as like a guard from the fullback position. Yeah. I mean, it's great. You, you know, you see this, and of course, on the whams, look out. You know, you don't have some little running back coming at you or even a, a tight end that's weighing 250 260. You got a 300 pounds cheese whopper of a fullback coming at you. <laughs> I mean, that that guy, you know, he's he, I think he's got 5 carries for 14 yards. Wow. You know, he's one of those guys that uh, you know, if you need a yard, I'll get you a yard and if you need a 2 yards, I'll get you, I'll a, get yard. you a yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those guys. Um certainly it but you know, he, you watch him and he, you got to admire him. The guy's just a truck. Uh, but this offensive line is still pretty good. I'm wondering. I see Ronnie Stanley could well be back, and that's going to be a boon for them.
2: Yeah. they Listen, they have had their – I mean, this feels like it dates back to last season. They've had their issues with injuries on that offense, but they've still been able to remain productive. Um, and and you're right. Uh, could be getting some reinforcements on the offensive line. But even still, you know, this gets back to you know what I was saying in that last segment, Wolf, at the end of the, the first hour of the show, like – the ravens despite having a litany of injuries on offense i mean last year right they lost their top 3 running backs last year they're still able to play the way that they, they want to play because they have that identity throughout throughout the roster you know um they don't go from lamar jackson to i don't know like a, like a statuesque passer right mm-hmm. like right. matt ryan you know right. it's, it's not like they're going it's not like they're going from lamar jackson to matt ryan they right. they they've built that offense that the next man up mentality is much easier when that next man is cut from the same cloth as the person that he's replacing.
1: That's an important point.
2: You you know, and and again, that's one of the things that I admire about the Ravens. All right. I'm not saying I like because there's nothing that I like about those Baltimore Ravens, (laughs) but, but they have done a very good job of, of, of building that, that offense Um, ever since really, you know, they turned the reins over to Lamar Jackson, you know, five years ago. Um, that if Lamar goes down or if one of our running backs go down or if one of our offensive linemen go down or, you know, they've had some receivers banged up as of late too, we're still going to be able to operate the way that we want to do because we're going to build this thing that we've got, you know, we're, we're not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole all of a sudden, basically. And Tyler Huntley is capable. They've got the running backs who are capable. Mark Andrews is one of the better tight ends in the National Football League. Um yeah, they're they're missing the former MVP, and they are missing the catalyst to the offense. Um,
1: but they're they're still they're still dangerous, and they certainly still have some guys who can make some plays. No question about it. You know, I mean, exactly so. And the point that you made about having somebody cut out of the same cloth and being able to operate that offense, yes, that's that's huge because you don't need two separate offenses. You don't want. Two separate offenses. I mean, that's just something. Well, that... if I.
2: I always loved Dennis Dixon, but What's going. That? but, but I, I loved Dennis Dixon, right? But but going from Ben Roethlisberger to Dennis Dixon didn't make a ton of sense to no, me. No, it was
1: a little difficult. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's,
2: a, it's a little different, you know? Um, it, again, it'd be like going from Lamar Jackson to, to Matt Ryan. There's different styles there. So, yeah, I think that that's one thing that they. Have done well, you know. They know Lamar takes takes hits. He he plays that style of football. He's he's going to get a little banged up from time to time. Uh, but I think Tyler Huntley is is definitely a, a capable backup. He's one of those guys, um, you know. He's 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 not. I don't think going to be f- fit for a gold jacket and can't in Canton one day. Uh, but he is everything you want in a backup. He's still young, only twenty four years old, um, and he he is he has got the goods to make you pay if if you're not on your p's and q's.
1: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, Tyler Huntley again is a capable, capable guy, capable of running the uh, option, capable of throwing the ball. You had an interesting guy. This is going to be interesting. Think about it. You've got the clash of tight ends coming up. Both tight ends are like the number one targets for yep. the quarterback. Mark Andrews has got fifty six catches for six hundred fifty four yards, and then you've got Pat Fryermoth who's got fifty catches for five ninety seven. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting because both, both tight ends are going to be key this weekend in a way that I don't think we've seen thus far from, you know, offensively speaking, uh, through the whole, you know, uh, season. You know what I mean? Yep. It's the targets have been going here, there, and everywhere. And then all of a sudden now they've really keyed in on Pat Friermuth, who is really, I think he's just an outstanding tight end as i as, as i've said before and i'll say it again when you have the conversation about the best tight ends in the league hey, it, hey, it's, hey. he's going to be in that conversation and he definitely is and his blocking abilities you know at one time i was a little uh they need some improve. he's been improving all along yeah he is a complete tight end he's capable of blocking inline h-back you could even play him from a fullback sort of position but uh, his his ability to read coverages is really a strong point for him. I've talked to him about it. Uh his ability that uh you know that he you know he, he he's he's an extra set of eyes for the quarterback. And when he sure. operates on the inside, kind of like a slot receiver, he sees things like the quarterback sees him. You you gotta read the safeties and you've got to read, you know, the the, the linebackers and, and it it's you've got to make sure that you give a big chested target to a quarterback, when you can, you know, make yourself big and give that that sort of insight for that quarterback to make the throw, and he does all those things. And he, and we're talking about what his second year.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's improved. I think you know, you know, it's funny. Wolf, I, I remember back to when he you know he first came to the Steelers um, in what would have been the twenty twenty one training camp. Um, you know, there was. There was a lot of um, you know, moments where he stood out and, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of potential and a lot of promise there, right? And remember, every time Mike Tomlin was asked about it, he would say the same thing. Yeah, well, can he block? Yeah, <laughs> right. Know. If you if you remember that, you know, that was that that last of the two training camps at at Heinz Field there during the COVID years. Right. Mike Tomlin does his his media availability every day after practice, you know, for for four or five minutes, and he would always get asked about something. Oh, your rookie tight end made a really nice catch down there on seven shots. Yeah, but Kenny Block, <laughs> you know, and there was there was a clear onus on that. We know the playmaking ability is there. We expect that to develop and to flourish in your game, like it has now. But can you be the well-rounded tight end? Right. That's. That's why you get taken as early as Pat Fryermuth did, you know, as a second round pick there. Not just cuz you can make some plays downfield, but because they think that you can be a complete tight end and he has really started to showcase that. He has gotten better and better in the run game. I think every month, certainly from his his rookie season now to, to sophomore year, um and man, he he is just he's a playmaker. You saw that in the the catch and run, what was it? You know, a a six- or seven-yard pass that ends up being a 57-yard gain because he's able to make two guys miss and stay on his feet and and cook that thing down the sideline. Um, We've seen some big catches. We've seen some big plays. And I expect that to only grow from here, honestly, because as Kenny gets more comfortable with the offense, with his teammates, you know, we've discussed this a little bit. He he didn't have a ton of reps with with the first team throughout training camp and preseason. He had some, but not a ton. He still, in a way, is is trying to to get all that stuff ironed out with those guys and get on the same page as as all of his weapons there on offense and really develop that chemistry. I think you're right. You know, we talk a lot about the ceiling of of George Pickens and Kenny Pickett and and a lot of these young guys, rightfully so. But man, Pratt fryermuth he is he has the potential to be a special one just because I think again, he's got he's got the playmaking ability combined with just the the well rounded skill set that you need to be in every down tight end in this league.
1: Unquestionably so. And I really do believe, you know, we saw a lot more of the twelve personnel. We saw twenty two personnel last weekend. How about
2: Zach Gentry playing well that's seventy five percent of the snaps? Seventy seven percent of the snaps.
1: Well, if you saw him knocking people off the line oh, of it was scrimmage, awesome. yeah, you know I'm sitting there going, you know, for a for a former quarterback, that's a pretty tough dude. <laughs> you know. He watching, absolutely is. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, you don't see many former quarterbacks that become tight ends that are able to be as physical oh. as the six twelve you know what i mean i love it i yeah, love it I, you know i, he still I love gotta, that he's
2: still got to get that first touchdown though i know that, I that know. that's eating out you know we it's M- got to moats and i were he's he's great i know you know zach he, he's a great guy he's nice as can be usually yes. you know every year during otas he'll sit down and, and do a segment with moats and i and right this, this past this past may or june whenever it would have been he was there and, and moats says to him he says you know you're, you're starting to get to that point where all of a sudden you're the veteran right you're not the young guy anymore but is there still anything in your, in your game that you're trying to polish up, that you're, that you're still trying to take to the next level and work on? And he kind of paused for a second, and he looked at Motsodai, and he goes, I'd like to score a touchdown this year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it, because you got the Friar move, right? And he's got a TD. Yep. You got Connor Hayward. He's got a TD. Yep. You know, Zach's the only tight end that in the tight end room that ain't got yeah, a Najee TD. Najee
2: Harris has a reception touchdown. I mean. Well, I'm
1: talking about just in the but tight yeah, end but room. Just in you the know? tight
2: end room, you're right. He's the only one who doesn't have one.
1: It's amazing. But, you know, one of the neat stats I, I, I read about Pat Fryermuth going back to the tight end is, you know, he had, he's got 15 receptions on third down. That's a mm. big out that for, uh, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett. He's third in the NFL. Fifteen—that's pretty impressive. Then you find out he's got five 70 yard seventy-yard-plus receiving games. Uh, that's second only to Travis Kelsey. Wow, that's that's, that's good. A pretty that's, good. That's, good. Error. that's
2: good company to be in.
1: Yeah, yeah it is. You know, and it, you like—I like seeing him. Uh, you know, be accomplished. I like seeing him develop. That's all great stuff. But to be able to do it at the level he's doing it so very quickly. Um, just speaks to his competitiveness and his game brains, which he's he's wise beyond his years for a young guy uh, yeah. out there, offensively speaking. He really has a great grasp of what's going on with the offense. Yeah, and good, what's good route runner, knows yes. how to get open, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I love the fact that, you know, you go in here, we got Pat Fryer moved to put up against Mark Andrews. That's going to be a nice battle of the tight ends. It's going to be interesting to see, and especially when – you know, uh, the Steelers, they're going to blitz. They're, you know, been, they're they about 32%. Oh, yeah. So three out of 10 times in passing, they're, they're going to come after you with something. Um, it's interesting to see if they're going to increase their blitz ability against Tyler Huntley or are they, are they going to back off, you know, because they've had such good success against Lamar Jackson. They've done a great oh. job. That's why I didn't – I felt like with Marcus Mariota, look, the Steelers, one of the great strengths that they have is having – spent uh, what twice a year yes preparing for game planning for lamar jackson and to see that in real time that real speed that real ability that's really hard to replicate in practice you can't you can just you know oh you get somebody that can do lamar jackson in <laughs> practice and it's not quite the same you no know? it is not so that sort of thing you know you've you've got that opportunity now and i you know with tyler huntley i think you know i would i would expect to uh, maybe see that uh, 32% blitz rate maybe it goes up a little bit if uh, early on as they test him
2: yeah it'll be interesting to see how they play that you're absolutely right do do they go after him and, and try and rattle him and get to him early um or do they maybe play it a little bit more conservative and say hey you know we're going to make this guy beat us we're not we're not going to give them the opportunities to maybe hit some big plays that will be very interesting to me cuz you're right they've done a great job against lamar I mean, there's there's no other way to to, to state that, right. Um You know, it's funny. This is this is another thing that that Moats and I discussed earlier this week, Wolf. It, like, there is like a, I think a disconnect amongst Steelers fans and the rest of the NFL about how good they think Lamar is, just because the Steelers have done so well against him. Yeah. Like, and and, and, and Moats and I are always, you know, like we had we had people that were tweeting us and saying, "I hope the Ravens give Lamar a huge contract extension because the Steelers <laughs> always beat him." And I'm like you guys realize every year he's been healthy, Baltimore's gone to the playoffs, right? Like The Steelers have done very well against him. That still doesn't mean that he's not tearing other teams up out there. I'd I'd rather him go to the NFC and we don't have to worry about him. But whatever they have done has worked. I mean, you look at Lamar's stats and his win percentage versus the Steelers versus the rest of the NFL, and it's almost a night and day difference. So the Steelers, they they have figured out uh, Lamar Jackson. And I think, obviously, a, a big part of that is just... Um, that what they've had, you know, in terms of their front over the years, and having guys like Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuite and T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and Alex Highsmith, right, where they can go get after him and bring pressure organically, right, without dialing up a bunch of blitzes, that has kind of seemed like a part of what's worked for them against Lamar over the years. Do they keep that same energy with Tyler Huntley? Like I said, do they try and go after him early and maybe get him a little rattled? Um, that that'll be another one of those things early on that I'll be interested to see how that plays out you know in the first few possessions of the game
1: well it's going to be interesting just like you said the first possessions because you're at home the, the fans become a weapon you've got a backup quarterback which is still though he's a highly skilled backup quarterback he's a backup quarterback right you know and so you have an opportunity for the fans you know you got to eat your pasta you know get your uh carbs up and be ready to keep loud all 60 minutes because they're going to be needed in this in that stadium this sunday because you gotta take down the the dirty birds take down the tyler huntley if he's the one uh you know his quarterback in there it'll be great i just i love to see it so hopefully we're good. That's what we're going to get. But you know what? We're going to take a break here. We're going to come back with more. We're going to take a talk. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, take a talk. Take uh, a talk. Sometimes I want. You know what? This is what short-term concussion syndrome looks like. You no,
2: know? no. Now hold on, hold on. This is just what talking for a living
1: <laughs> looks like. <laughs> no, really.
2: It's, it's it's the honest truth. Like I don't think people understand. You know, you do two hours of this show every day, right? So that's ten hours right there. Right. Then you do the show with the Friarmouth, right? right? Is that right. an hour or two hours? That's an hour. Okay, so you're at eleven there. Uh, do you do any of the preview- Monday night? You do the Monday night preview that's, or write yeah. a recap, right? Recap. That's, that's an hour, hour too, right? That's yeah. twelve hours there, and then you've got three and a half, four hours on the broadcast. Yeah. So I mean, you're you know you're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen hours a week talking for a living, and some people might think, oh, that's no big deal. I work forty hours a week. Talking for that long a week, you're just bound to. It's it's just natural. It is. Everybody does it, Wolf. So don't worry. You're 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 not you're not alone, brother.
1: Well, I say this as I, as I was talking about it last my with my brothers. I do a podcast with my brothers.
2: Well, there it's, you go. See now you're pushing twenty oh, hours
1: a week. Yeah, exactly. So that's the the three wolves of of football. But the 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 funny part is I, I love the John Wayne clip, and I'll leave you with this: Life is hard. It's harder when you're stupid. <laughs> We'll be back with more. How come you're laughing at me? Okay, we'll be back with more. We're going to talk a little bit about why the Steelers are doing so well in their pass protection. All this and more, SNR.
0: in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio presented by your neighborhood Ford store the F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers
1: pick it under center Najee behind him gets a fake rolls right bootleg Kenny throws it on the run that pass is caught at the 45 yard line by Deontay Johnson who had looped and come back in front of Darren Hall Oh, I love that! You know, listen to Billy talk about it, and you got you got Kenny Pickett rolling out because I love when he moves because he's just better when he moves. Um, Can I move?
0: Move? <laughs> what the hell you mean move?
2: <laughs> I'm better when I move. It's been a couple been a couple weeks since I snuck that in there.
1: Yeah, that's awesome! I love that. That's just. It, 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 that's such a great movie, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I love it, I do. You know, it really is good, but anyhow, talking about that, and we're, we're talking a little bit, you think about it, you go back to the bye week, coming out of the bye week, you got New Orleans, New Orleans sacks Kenny six times, he had Zooks six times, that's huge, but over the last three games, he's been sacked a total of five times, none this last game, his QBR has gone up each and every week, while his Passing attempts have dropped from 44 to 32, as we were talking about in the first hour with uh, Jerry Dulac. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they're 3-1 over the last four games as that running attack has come on. And uh, I look at it now because you you kind of extrapolate that out against the fact that you've got a Ravens team coming in, and it's a ball-hunting defense with high-pressure Capacity and capabilities, and it's coming against an offense that is right now moving towards a sledgehammer type of rushing attack. So, that you know they're not turning the ball over. This is going to be um, this is going to be a very interesting game, as we said about. And part of it is the fact that you've got the Ravens, who are I think they're fifth in the league in in, in uh, sackrations. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta be able to protect the castle, which is you know the pocket. Yeah, it's Kenny in the castle. That's the king, man.
2: <laughs> Kenny in the castle. Absol- Kenny in the
1: castle. Absolutely. And you've got to do it with your offensive line being able to pass protect. And it's going, to be, it's going to be a battle up there. But I've watched these guys grow. As they've grown in the running game, they've also grown as pass protectors. Yeah, And one of the things that is really coming on is the fact that um, they are playing much better with the guy next to him that is so hard because they have they do a vertical set which is different my day um the you you didn't vertically set like that you know we we short we short set everybody and it was battle at the line of scrimmage. the tackles would get back and get off the line scrimmage obviously but you were working together as a group of five guys trying to stay on the same level as your wingman and depending if your wingman was where you were if you're the center it's both guards if you're a tackle it's the guard to the inside of you you know that's your wingman if you're a guard it's a it's the tackle and the center so it's one of those things where that it takes some time just like the double teams where you have uh, one of you has got to pick up the run-through. You also have twists, and you've got to protect the inside hip of your partner, of your wingman. And sometimes, you know, that's been a difficult thing for them because they, they don't practice. They stay on the same level like we used to do back in the day. But certainly, uh, they've grown as past protectors, and one of the guys that has been doing a great job all season long has been Chuksa of Yep. I think quietly, too, right, Wolf? Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm
2: with you. I, I, I Chooks deserves some credit here. We talked, you and I, I believe it was yesterday, a little bit about the interior of this offensive line, specifically, mm-hmm. you know, Dotson, Cole, and Daniels. How they had a little bit of struggles early on in the season, right. but man, they have really been buttoned up as of late, particularly since the bye week. Um, Dan Moore Jr. He's 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 had some some rough goes at it at times this season, but has been much better the last few weeks. Absolutely. The five of them, you know, it's that classic. You and Max always talk about it, you know, the the five fingers working as a fist. And that's like the one, you know, offensive lines feel like the unit in the National Football League that can really – the sum can be greater than the whole of its parts, right? Oh,
1: that's a great – yes, that's a great – Hit.
2: that you don't necessarily have to have, you know, two or three all pros on your offensive line to perform at a, at a high level. Those guys can all band together and can, you know, again, the 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 sum can be greater than the than the whole of their parts and man, I I think we have seen that from this offensive line and that's encouraging to me. You know, that's I think Wolf the the best thing for me about, you know, these four games since the bye week and being able to win three of them, right, and, and yeah, even though you lost the Bengals game, I still think there were some positive signs in the right direction throughout the course of, of that game that have now played out over these last two weeks on the road. The, the, the most encouraging part that it's been, you know, the most enjoyable for me too is you can't just give all the credit to one person. Right. You know, like – Kenny Pickett deserves credit because he's improved Shoot. and he's taken care of the football and he's been exactly what this offense needs him to be. Najee Harris and all the running backs deserve credit because right. they've done their part and Najee looks different and especially, um, you know, Jalen Warren and Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland. when they've had their opportunities, they've been ready to go. The tight ends have contributed. The offensive line has contributed. The wide receivers are, are making some plays. It, to me, that's been the, the best part about all this. We're not just sitting here and saying, Oh man, you know, Najee Harris has turned into Derrick Henry and he's really carrying this offense. Or man, Kenny Pickett, it's clicked, and he is just he's dragging these guys with him. It, it it hasn't been one individual. It has been the entire collective over these last four weeks, over this last month. And that to me is is very encouraging because they're they are clearly all on the same page, you know. They're that classic cliche, but it's true of you know rowing the boat together in the right direction. From the O line to Kenny to the running backs to the tight ends to the wide receivers, everyone has had a hand in that pile, and that's that's been a lot of fun to watch because they're doing it together collectively as a unit. It's not just one or two guys who are kind of dragging the rest along.
1: No doubt about it, and that's a uh, that was excellent, Wes. Hey, you know you're, you're hitting it because. Here's the thing about an offensive line is only as good as its weakest link. Right. You know, and each guy has to pull themselves up to a higher level and understand that the guy to your left and the guy to your right, um, this is part of a group effort, you know. And for them, the individual application of their skill set, it's something they work on all the time. I was just down on the south side yesterday, sitting there after practice was officially over and watching the Hogs working with Isaac Washington, the assistant offensive line coach, and, and Pat Meyer, the head, the uh, offensive line coach, um, they're down over there working with the guys, and they're working over and over on the punching, on the skill effect. You know, you've got uh, the ability to work on that over and over, and I, I appreciate that because that's what we used to do back in the day. Yeah. It's not enough to sharpen that sword just during practice. There's certain levels of being able to – well, you, you wanna replicate what you're gonna see. Right. So for for instance, I mean, you take a look at for the for the Steelers, all right, for Dan Moore, he's gonna see some of Calais Campbell, he's gonna see o- Odafi Owe, all right, and then and, and they're they're two different guys. I mean, Campbell's six foot eight, three hundred and seven pounds, and Owe is uh six five, two fifty seven. One's a more power based rusher, one's a speed rusher. You know, Chooks is gonna see these guys. You know, you're gonna also on the inside you got Broderick Washington and Justin Matabuke, a couple of, you know, real heavy hoofers, heavy hoofers that, that aren't so big, but they play with great leverage and great hands and they're 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 tough. And you also got that rookie, Travis Jones, who's a nose tackle. He's six four. 3.35 before breakfast. I mean, you know. <laughs> I love it when you say that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a simple matter. I mean, you think about what he is after breakfast, after lunch, and after dinner, you know, he's he's up and, and past the 3.40 mark. Um, but, I mean, that's as big as uh, having a Yeti playing the nose tackle, man. But that's exactly what you're going to be facing here. And for the offensive line to keep working on their skill set. Look, some people have been giving grief to Dan Moore. I'm telling you, the kid is coming on, you know. I mean, he's got some. He's got some stuff. He's got to be able to shave off. He's got to, uh, you know, be able to uh, smooth out his game a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, when I hear people talking about getting somebody else in the left tackle, you, you really want to spend two years developing a guy to just get to the point where Dan's at, because Dan is Dan is on the cusp of really doing some nice stuff. He's got to be more consistent. Yeah. He's got to be more mindful and pre snap stuff you know you got to be, be careful to work on your skill set that you're not getting hold of calls but this kid, man I, I, I like I said watching the film yesterday and watching him punch a guy four times in five yards and I'm I mean really do a nice job of extending the punch hitting him at the end of his punch not at the where he's bench pressing him off his chest right right I, I'm sitting there going that's Tunchilkin good because if you ever watch Tunchilkin Punch, I mean, he punched like nobody oh, else. the touch punch, baby. Yes, maybe like Larry Brown, the legendary Larry Brown or John Cole. Okay, I'll give you that because they were two awesome performers there. But you want to talk about a guy who had that punch down, the touch punch, as, as we call it. You know, um, it was demonstrated week in, week out, and it, that he could play at such a high level because of his technique was such a great – I mean – it's unbelievable when you look at the way he played and and how big he was as compared to the other guys he played against. It was just unbelievable. So technique will carry you a huge ways and right now Danny Moore is developing that technique and mm-hmm. you know the thing I love about it is I get to compare notes with Pat Meyer a little bit cuz I love the guy. The guy's an excellent offensive line coach. All right, you can and you can see just by the fact of how this line is taking time, yes, but it comes together and they're they're getting better weekly. And, and I look for more improvement as we go on here. But, you know, just in, in talking with him and, and picking up some of the things he's, you know, getting those guys to work on, and you see it coming out in a Chooks for You see it coming on a Danny Moore where they're using their hands better. They're punching better. And on the inside, it's all coming around. Mason Cole, uh, for a guy that, um, you know, when it, they first brought him, I was like, I don't know, just watching him play better and better. Got a lot of respect for his game now, man. Got a lot of respect. Uh, he's really doing a good job of anchoring in there. So let's hope that they can keep this thing rolling. Yep. They got they got the ship cruising in the right way. Now all they got to do is just hang in there. You got five more weeks here at least of, you know, just bearing down and being, uh, you know, get on the clock running and getting the job done. So hopefully they can do it. I'm, I'm anxious to see.
2: Yeah, me as well, too, and I think that's well stated by you. Those guys deserve some credit. Not not the finished product yet, I'm sure that they not want yet, to be, but right. they. you've seen the progression, and as you and I, just, you know, I think this is something that, that we both say on our shows. You know, progression isn't always linear. Sometimes you take a, st- <laughs> a few steps forward and then a couple steps back. It's not always just a straight line right up the mountain.
1: Right, right. Um,
2: there there can be some, some pains in that progression, certainly, too, but they – I, I think you're just kidding yourself if if you don't uh at least you know can see that they have made progress again you could say it's not it's it's not the finished product it's not where the ultimate goal is but there has been progress uh in that in that journey uh, quickly wolf before we go to break here yes can i can i can I tell you my can I tell you a funny touch punch story real oh, quick I'd love to hear it all right so you remember and we were laughing about this the other day uh 2018 was when I started here Right. Okay, yes. Uh, with with iHeart Radio and, and with SNR, um, it was obviously a Pittsburgh guy born and raised. But work took me to Ohio. It took me to Philadelphia before I was able uh, to get to get back home and, and get the job here in my hometown. So summer of 2018. And I mean, I literally I moved back from Philly to Pittsburgh the day before Steelers training camp started. And then I was out in Latrobe for three and a half weeks. <laughs> like all my all my stuff just stayed in my garage at my townhouse unpacked because I was in Latrobe for for the next month. Well, that's when I really got to know you and Tunch. Now, I had met you guys before. I had met you at at, at the walks that you guys do. Mm -hmm. Um, I had had a a little bit of a relationship with Tunch, right? My father knew him, obviously, and and he would come and speak at our church uh, on Good Friday. He was always the speaker for the Good Friday breakfast. My dad and I would go to that growing up. So I had a little bit of a relationship with Tunch. But that summer of 2018 was when I really got to know you guys. You know, I was there on site with you guys every day doing your show. We'd have meals together, practice together, you know, all all that different kind of stuff. Right. Well, I was I was laughing with Tunch one day, and we were talking about uh, I don't even remember how we got on the subject, but somehow we were talking about coaching. Okay, mm-hmm. and this was just I think this was at lunch or something like that, and we're just we're just putzing around and, and chatting. And I don't remember if I asked him if he ever considered coaching, if he ever wanted to get into coaching, if he always wanted to do broadcasting. It was something along those lines of a conversation. And Tunch says. He was like, yeah, he was like, you know, I never really wanted to, to you know, it's, it's, it's a ton of time. You've got to devote as a coach. You know, you're almost, you spend more time than the players do when you're a coach. And I didn't necessarily want to do that. You know, I wanted to be able to spend more time with my family. He said, but you know, I, I have done some coaching. And I was like, oh, yeah. And he was like, he's explaining to me the different, you know, the clinics and the teams that right. had brought him in and all these things. And he was like, oh, yeah, just, just, just the other year, I was, I was down in Jacksonville working with their offensive line, teaching those guys how to punch and technique and da 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 And I go... Now, Tunch, I said, you're telling me a team that the Steelers compete with, not in the division, all right, but in the same conference, and have had playoff games against each other. You went down to Jacksonville and taught those Jaguars all your secrets on the offensive line. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me sideways and he goes, I didn't teach him everything. <laughs> That just that just cracked me up. I laughed for like an hour about it. I didn't teach him everything.
1: Yeah, you, know, you know, one of the funny that just we'll go to break out of this, but it reminds me of a story. When I I had my gym, all right, and I trained athletes yep. and fighters for twenty years, and I loved the grappling, the jiu-jitsu, and everything else. So train heavy in that. Well, I had an old guy, an old grappler from you know, he was just one of these guys that uh, just wrestled years ago, and and uh, it was it was pretty good on. Uh, You know, just understanding the elements of of regular grappling, like what we used to call catches, catch can, which is kind of an English, Welsh sort of, uh, you know, being able to lock guys up in different ways without, uh, it's not specifically jujitsu, certainly not. But I remember the old guy, he goes, Hey, kid. He was listening. He was in the gym one time, and he'd been watching me teach him. He, and they were talking on the sides after. And he goes, "Hey, kid, just remember, you teach them everything they know, not everything you know." That's right. That's right. <laughs> he was so funny; I was dying with laughter there. But all right, we're going to come back with more because we're not going to hold back here in the locker room. We're going to teach lap. you everything we know. Which, well, you know what? Uh, I will say this: If you're down on the south side yesterday, the best part about lunch. Was the cheeseburger soup always that good? We'll be back with more SNR.
0: This is in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, final segment here in the locker room on a Thursday as we
2: really begin to uh to dissect Steelers and Ravens here. Wolf I've got some uh, some fun facts, some stats for you as it relates to Steelers and Ravens, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, uh, over the years and as of late. Here, are you are you ready to jump into this?
1: Let's let's take a big bite out of this. All right, shall we?
2: you want some good news or some bad news first?
1: <sighs> let's go bad news, so we can end on good news.
2: Okay. Since 2018, when the Ravens play a team with a losing record, they're 25 and five.
1: Ooh.
2: That's that's that's
0: All pretty right. that's
1: pretty good there. Let me let me do some ciphering here. The okay. Steelers are now what uh, five and seven. And so I carry the one, divide by uh-huh. two, and then so we got a losing record, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, again, we're not math guys, but yeah, yeah. I think that one checks out. Okay, that checks out. So but, this is a downer, right? I mean, because they're what twenty five and five. Twenty five
2: and five since okay. two thousand and eighteen against opponents with a losing record.
1: But you're saying there's a
2: chance. (laughs) I'm saying there's a chance because the other side of that, the good news is Baltimore just 1-5 without Lamar Jackson over the last three seasons. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Yeah. You know,
1: that's a better stat than the one you just previewed that. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, the 25-5 and versus a losing team. I think it's counterbalanced by the fact they ain't got their main gunslinger. So you take a look at the fact that Lamar Jackson if he's if he's uh you know going to be out, I like the, the the fact that they they don't do well without him. Correct. Correct. Okay. So there's
2: a little little good, little bad there, a little yep. ba- a little balance there in the numbers. Yeah, very nice. Now, here's an interesting
1: one. And okay. this was
2: found, this was uh researched by our SNR uh cohort matt williamson
1: who's terrific at putting he this is, stuff together. he is fantastic he's uh re, you know he's almost as, as good research as i am <laughs> 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 Boy, he'd be insulted with that one same church
2: different pew yeah, if you exactly. ask me You're
1: just no okay uh,
2: so before last sunday dating back to 1995 nfl teams when they failed to score more than 10 points and lost and committed two turnovers while forcing none. Okay. Okay. So didn't score more than ten points. Committed two turnovers and forced none. Were 0 and two hundred and six since nineteen ninety five. The Ravens made it one and two hundred and six. Are you kidding? When me? they won against Denver. Yes, despite failing to exceed ten points committing two turnovers and forcing none the Ravens the first team since 95 out of 207 to get a victory from those circumstances.
1: Okay, you got to repeat this. This is a lot. Also. So 10 so okay. failing
2: to exceed 10 points All right, while which... com- while committing two turnovers and forcing none. Yes. Since 95 NFL teams were oh and 206. And this is what they were against Denver, right? They ha- they scored just 10 points. So they did not exceed 10 points, right? Right. Committed two turnovers and forced none, yet were able to get the victory. One and 206 are teams now in those scenarios wow. since 1995.
1: Okay, that's that's like an overwhelming stat. That's, that's just like That's great. crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's like great googly moogly. What are you kidding me?
2: That's like look out Loretta.
1: Yeah, that's wow. That's now, like, uh, I don't know, somebody hitting the trifecta somewhere. <laughs>
2: somebody at Buffalo Wild Wings was pushing the big red button, I tell
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely oh man that's that's almost scary one in 206 or two, 207 now i know i know okay. now two,
2: two more for you here as we All wrap right. this up uh the steelers oh and seven this year when the other team scores first five and oh when they score first the only team in the league with such a split No kidding. There is no other team in the league that has won every game when they score first and lost every game when the opponent scores first, except for your Pittsburgh Steelers. How about that? That's
1: a wild stat. Isn't that pretty crazy? That is pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. I would think the emphasis on scoring first, (laughs) scoring early, has got to be huge. Uh, You've got to have the same type of starts
2: that you've had these last last couple weeks.
1: True. That's that's very, very true. There's no doubt about it.
2: So, finally here, last one for you, Mr. Wolfley. right. The Ravens are plus six in the turnover differential this year, okay? Right. That's third best in the NFL. Only the Eagles and the Cowboys are better. But now the Steelers are plus three after falling behind uh, early on in that regard. Uh, Only three teams, though, in the NFL have forced more takeaways than the Baltimore uh, Ravens this season, who have 20 takeaways so far this year. Uh, through 12 games. Uh-oh. So uh, pretty important. You know, the start is important and playing right. with a lead and taking care of that football pretty important as well too because the Ravens, like we said last week in Denver, they were minus two in the turnover differential. They're still third best in the league now despite that with 20 takeaways on the season. It's a it's a defense that for the most part has has had success in creating those splash plays. And so the Steelers have to make sure they limit that on Sunday. Take care of the football once again.
1: Taking care of the football once again. Yeah, it's going to be prime importance. Kenny, you know, he's 120 st- 28 straight passes without an INT. His QBR has gone up in each and every game. And again, his pass attempts have dropped. I like the way this is unfolding. Let's keep it rolling. I think you got to keep it rolling. This offensive line's got to be ready for battle. This is going to be huge in the defense. Oh, I'm excited already. I can't wait for Sunday. All right. I want to thank everybody for joining West, Wes, thank you again for sitting in for Max. we uh hoping and praying our, our Max is uh, getting well yes. down in uh, Phoenix. Uh, get over the flu there. Be ready to roll for this weekend. And, folks, we're going to keep you tuned. Stay here. Got more coming up here with SNR. Uh, the fact of the matter is we appreciate you. Thank you for allowing us to bring some great Steeler news into your home. So, Take care. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We've got the breakdown uh, with the scouting report and keep moving forward. Take care. We're out of here.